0: Hello, welcome back to Talk In Their Language with Helen Bodell. Today I'm joined by Arusa, who is an ECT in Harrow, and we're talking about teacher training and what that means for our EAL learners in today's episode. Hi, Arusa, it's great to finally meet you. We've been talking over Twitter and over email for a few weeks. How are you, and would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and your journey in getting to this stage and starting your new school this academic year?
1: Hi, Helen, thanks very much for that warm Welcome. Um, As you mentioned, I am going to be an ECT from September, um, teaching sociology, law and citizenship in secondary school. Um, So I'll be based in Harrow in quite a diverse multicultural school um, that has uh, a really big and wide EAL demographic. Um, I'm really interested in learning about uh, EAL learners and how they develop their skills in understanding um, the education system in England. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about teacher training and EAL perspectives.
0: Thank you. And can you tell us a bit about your background? So, where you've come from and how you've come to this and decided to go into teaching?
1: Um, so, I started off my career in corporate law. So, I'm a career changer to teaching. I spent about six years doing that and then I decided I wanted to do something more rewarding. Um, so, I did my PGCE well, I just finished my PGC in um, June this year and um, luckily got my job very quickly. Um, so I did kind of like an introduction month in July at my school um, based in Harrow. And that really introduced me to how the school tackles EAL learners and how it develops them. Um, and so in September, I'll be starting my first year, um, very excitedly, <laughs> as an ECT um yeah, in secondary school.
0: Fantastic. Um, So, what training have you had at university for teaching multilingual learners? Is there a section on it at university now or um, how does it work for training?
1: So, I did my PGC at UCL Institute of Education, quick shout out, Um, and they ran a session on EAL learners and how to really differentiate your work uh, and make a Your classroom and adaptive learning environment. Um, So that was really good to see that nowadays universities and PGCE providers are really tackling um, EAL uh, and how to have that provision in schools. I think, on the whole, um, ITT providers probably leave the majority of it up to the schools because if you really think about it, different schools implement the provision in different ways. Um, yes. They all have their own kind of uh, nuances in ha- what works best for their students, having assessed that at the time um, and assessed the demographic of their students. So, uh, whilst they, they they do run an EAL session, that's really helpful. Um, a lot of it, from my experience, is left to your placement scores and 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 how they really do that.
0: Yeah. And so what did you learn on your placements then? How did those schools sort of impact your teaching of EAL learners?
1: Um, So on my placements, I had quite different experiences. Um, In my first placement school, there was a lot of focus on having TAs that were there to support um, EAL students as well as SEND students. Um, And obviously from my ITT provider, I'd learned how to um, even identify an EAL student because before that, I had no idea what an EAL student was, to be honest. Um, I hadn't heard that phrase in my own schooling, uh, probably for obvious reasons. Um, So it was learning how to identify those learners. And then in my second placement, I really learned how to differentiate and scaffold my work in my subjects um, because some of those classes were made up of learners who spoke very, very little English so at the end of the day it was about establishing and really knowing your students establishing what kind of level their reading writing listening understanding skills are at because if we really think about it each individual learner will be unique their learning journey is unique um
0: yeah it's, it's difficult isn't it because although we group them together as EAL learners like you say every single one of them is unique every single one of them have different um you know learning experiences on the way different levels of schooling different levels of reading and writing etc and then it's the home life as well um, will be very different so just trying to group them together is um is pretty difficult isn't it and I,
1: and i really think that um you know having having a home life that you you know about as a teacher you know so getting to know your students not just from the perspective of what are they like in my lessons what uh, you know, are they low ability, middle or high? What kind of reading stage uh, or reading age are they at? Um, or what languages do they speak? It's also about learning about their home environment. So, you know, is English even spoken at home at all? Or yeah. do they come from a multilingual environment that influences the way that their brain will process certain languages? So if I think about myself, for example, I wasn't an EAL student. Um, and English was my first language, but I grew up in a multilingual household where I was also learning multiple languages at the same time. Um, So it was a bit messy, really, with different people speaking different languages to each other um, at any given time. And I think that kind of personal experience allows me to empathise with my students, particularly when they're classified as EAL, because I then have to think about, okay they may or may not be practicing the English language at home, whether that's reading or writing or or even listening or speaking. Um, So I think in order to really help our EAL learners, we just have to think about that aspect a little bit further um, to remind ourselves that they may or may not be in the same environment that we've learnt in ourselves.
0: And sometimes, like you say, to empathize and to put yourself in your shoes and... And to think if we went to a different country and we didn't speak the language whatsoever and the writing was on the board and everybody's speaking that language, you know, it's a pretty scary place to be, isn't it, on your first your first few weeks. Um is there anything you think that should be taught on your PGC yeah. or your degree that you think would be helpful that you sort of think um was missing?
1: Um yeah, I really think that um more of a focus on um the different skills that students can develop by being a multilingual learner or a bilingual learner. I think often we as teachers or, you know, ITT providers can focus on the aspect of learning difficulty when it comes to EAL learners. And I think sometimes we can place a negative skew on that kind of yeah. classification. Yeah,
0: it's a problem that needs to be fixed rather than something that can bring... Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah something that needs to be fixed, something that uh, makes you a vulnerable learner or makes your learning journey a little bit more difficult. Um, but I think it would be helpful if ITT providers had a bit more of a focus on how do we really stretch those skills of EAL learners? Because, as I said, if you think about the brains of a multilingual person their skills and ability to process information, to understand information, to code that information between languages is going to be much more developed than someone who um, can only speak one language. And um, actually, that can be a really fantastic thing. And we can really harness that as teachers, rather than thinking of it as, okay, this is a hurdle we need to get over. And I think yeah. The, the key to that is obviously still understanding your students um, and, and knowing their abilities really well. But I think that there really is a need to shift the perspective a little bit on EAL learners.
0: Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree with you on that one. Um, and what would you advise other ECTs that are currently starting out to do in preparing for new EAL learners in their setting? Um, Is there anything that you've done ready for September or anything that you'd advise others to have a go at?
1: So one technique I use which is really really basic really simple um, was when I was preparing my lessons um, like my actual lesson materials uh, especially in subjects that I teach like citizenship um, and sociology you're not just teaching students the English language and so the vocabulary that is involved in the english language you're also teaching them really really niche subject specific terminology um, so one technique i did was always including definitions of english language words but also um, subject specific terminology on my lesson slides and perhaps one of the exercises that you could do as a starter maybe is Um, talking through the keywords that you're going to cover in that lesson at the beginning and having the students fill out a table or glossary of some kind um, so that they can have that to refer back to. Um, Because I know that some of my students at the very beginning were finding it difficult to grapple the specific political terminology that we were using in citizenship, for example. And they were also struggling with learning just basic english language and and how to communicate a standard sentence um, but also using the subject specific terminology within that so that's that's one technique that can be used and it's really really simple um, another thing i would advise pgcers or ects to do is just to really think hard long and hard when you're preparing your resources, whether that's lesson plans or lesson materials, about how you might feel if if you were in a different country and people were speaking a completely different language, the writing on, on the board was completely different. How would you feel if you were in a classroom where everybody's speaking a different language that you may or may not be totally comfortable with? And yeah. I think... Having that level of empathy can be extremely, extremely helpful in making your classroom inclusive. And uh, one last thing that I would say is that just really, really try to create an inclusive classroom. Um, I think that when you, especially if you're in a, a place that's really multicultural, for example, I live in London, and London is really multicultural um so most of the schools there are going to have eal learners um and eal learners eal learning is not just about a language it's also about culture the culture that people bring to the language that they speak and i think really embracing that somebody else has a different culture and a different language that they're comfortable with is quite a beautiful thing actually um if they identify with something you're learning about that's about their particular culture and they seem passionate about it, ask them to speak about it, ask them if they'd be comfortable sharing with the class. And, you know, you you can't speak for everybody's culture. So you can't speak for everybody's um, lifestyle. And it's all about providing that mutual respect that, you know, we're bound by under fundamental British values. So just creating that inclusive classroom space will really help them to have a less stressful time and be more comfortable when they're learning English at school.
0: Yeah, that's so, so important. Creating that learning environment, I think, is more important than the learning itself to start with, isn't it? It's creating that safety, that welcoming environment is, it really is fundamental for them to ever learn anything from from the start. Um, and then you've told us about your multilingual family and how important do you think it is that the family is sort of involved in the school for EAL learners and how do you think this can be achieved? And know sometimes um, it can be overwhelming for teachers to think how can we make these links and what advice would you give for creating those links?
1: So um, as you said it's really important to create those links and that bond from home to, to school um, with the parents or the carers or guardians and I think Really drawing upon, um, your staff cohort can be helpful in that respect. So if you have an EAL learner who, whose parent is fluent in Arabic, for example, but isn't particularly comfortable in speaking English, um, and you also have a colleague who speaks Arabic really, really well, then what I would say is draw upon your colleagues and ask them for your help because after all, you're all working as a team for the students, right? So um, if you can draw upon your colleagues to help you out in that situation, I think that's really, really helpful. And the parents or the guardians or the carers will feel seen by that. They will feel, you know, they'll probably feel really valued that somebody took the time to be able to speak to them, explain something to them in their language um, that they're comfortable in as well. So it's it will further deepen that bond between the teachers and the parents for the students
0: yeah build those relationships it's really important and and then what resources or teaching methods do you think work well for EAL learners um that maybe ECTs can sort of use um when they start from September so I know if you had a new arrival for example halfway through the year um what sort of things would you would you say that they should do
1: um so i think that creating perhaps as i said creating mm-hmm. that glossary at the beginning of the year if you know what subjects you're going to cover throughout the course of the year is really useful to have i know that's a bit time consuming but um if you already have being organized
0: being organized, yeah, being yeah, you organized. Know,
1: being yeah exactly being organized and having all of that terminology set out for your whole year you should be able to provide that to your students and that might help them to regulate their own learning as well. Um, So I would really recommend just creating a glossary of terminology that's specific to your subject and with definitions. Um, And that won't just help the EAL students. I think that helps all of the students when it comes down to revision and developing other skills like that. Um, I'd also recommend looking online, you know, Twinkle has resources for EAL learners. And I think just generally doing a Google search will you will come up with so many different EAL um, resources. I know that one of my placement schools they had such a fantastic EAL team um, who created packs of, um, you know, like sentence starters and descriptions and they really scaffolded these packs for EAL students. So if your if your school has an EAL hub, or they have a team that works on uh, EAL students or diversity and inclusion, massively use them. Is is what I would advise yeah. ECTs to do.
0: Yeah, definitely draw upon all the um, all those skills and observing other teachers that um, teach EAL learners really well. You know, learning from other you know best practice is really important and like you say a lot of the time the, these um different skills the different teaching methods actually help all of your students and that you're focusing on those el learners but actually those literacy skills and you know vocabulary skills help all of your students don't doesn't it in yeah 100
1: percent. It, it really does help the students to develop those um repetitive kind of techniques that sometimes they probably don't enjoy doing um (laughs) but um is really helpful for the exams it's absolutely necessary so um
0: and it's closing that vocabulary gap isn't it for a lot of the students yeah
1: so one of the things I've tried to do for my year starting in September is have my own mini classroom library and um all of all of the books there contain um I'm going to start that again So what I've tried to do this year in September when I start is create my own classroom library. And so that just includes books of different levels that are subject-specific to the subjects that I teach. Um, But the the goal there is to really encourage my students who are and are not EAL learners to develop those reading skills, develop their vocabulary. Um, If I think back to my own education uh i read so much i enjoyed reading when i was younger and that massively developed my vocabulary as i became an adult and you know from that point onwards so for me i think reading is such an understated skill it's such an understated um technique to use to develop people's language um so that's something that I've I've really taken on to and having things like word of the week where you discuss with your tutees maybe this is what this word means try and use it in a sentence this week try and use it in a sentence in tutie time yeah. um that's really valuable I think
0: yeah it's all those word games word um sort of techniques that really brings the class together as well everybody loves learning a new word and you know trying to use it differently and do you get excited by it don't they and as much as um you know we sometimes think oh how are they going to take that I think they really enjoy it and like you say reading and having that multicultural library as well of books you know with different you know in- inclusive sort of library is really important as well isn't it
1: yeah definitely really really useful for all the students as we've said not just EAL students
0: and um, so final top tips for ECTs um starting this year with EAL learners What are your final top tips?
1: My final top tips would be uh, prioritise EAL learners amongst all the other learners that you think about. Um, Make sure your EAL and SEND pupil premium students are ones that you think about first and foremost. Um, And the reason why I say first and foremost is because those students easily fall through the gaps. um, And... I think that's more detrimental than anything. So really thinking about those students when you're planning your lesson resources and lesson materials, make sure that all of your lesson materials reflect those students and make sure you know who your EAL students are. Make sure you know, or you've spoken to your colleagues about what level of understanding they're at, because there's nothing worse than teaching at the front of a lesson and not knowing that somebody actually doesn't speak a word of English and has no idea that, about anything that you've said and that's why they've been quiet the whole lesson. Um, so, yeah, be organised, know your students, build those relationships with the students and their parents or carers or guardians and use whatever resources you have available to you Google if you don't have any resources available to you because there's so many out there. Um, So just use the help that you can get.
0: Thank you so much. Um, And join our sort of communities as well. We've got lots of um, communities going on on social media. we have got Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter, and making connections with those people and learning from others I think is really, really important as well, especially in your ECT year. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Arisa. You've been amazing. Thank you for all your top tips and your ideas. Um, You're going to be a brilliant teacher. So good luck for this year and for the rest of your career. Um, And thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks very much for having me. This podcast was
0: brought to you by Helen Bodell from Twinkle EAL. We have over 650,000 resources and you can find all of our EAL resources at www.twinkle.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Pinterest by searching Twinkle EAL.